guys can have a seat. All right. Everybody have a good week? Good week? Yeah. Oh, I got a thumbs up right here. Yeah. It's a great week. And you went to school this week too, right? Yeah, and it was good. So school was good. Life is good. That's awesome. Um, tonight at 530, we're having a business meeting. It will be in the fuel room, which is right down this hallway. Last door on your left is where it will be. And uh, that will be at 530. And then as soon as that business meeting is over, <clears throat> we're going to have a chicken stew for just a church. So uh, come out for that. Um, if you can, bring some desserts. Now, we're Baptist, so it doesn't matter if you made it at home or if you bought it at the store, people will eat it. It's not a problem. So just, just bring that on out and uh, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah. Um, we are starting a new series this week called Eight Maids of Milkin'. And uh, it's going to be eight of these, so over, over the course, all the way to the end of the year. So nonetheless, that's what we're starting, and it's based off of the Beatitudes. And so what I want you to do is I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> now, on the screen, Matthew is supposed to have two T's. Uh, that is nobody's fault but mine, because um, you just, it's, yeah, that's nobody's fault but mine. Matthew chapter 5, so we can get... We can move that off of there. Yeah. Yeah, that's less embarrassing. <clears throat> so Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to read through all of them. Okay? Read through all of them at the very beginning. Uh, verse 2 says this. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, a, a few things <clears throat> about these. First of all, we call them the Beatitudes, but, but really, when Jesus is proclaiming this, he is not telling you to be this so that you can get this. That is not what he's doing. In fact, these are not laws. These are not commands. In the Greek, it's very clear that these are announcements. They are gospel announcements. They're announcements to people who are already a part of the family. What you already have in Christ, Jesus is now announcing to these people that have come right? Now, he's looking at an audience that were probably, in some respect, baptized by John. And so he knows who's the, who the believers are, who are seekers, and all that kind of stuff. But he is announcing something to these people. So it's not, it's not a command. <clears throat> it, it's an announcement. It's not a be this attitude and you get this, because that would be, ladies and gentlemen, work salvation. And we are saved by grace, 
And anything that we get from God is really a blessing from God because he chose to give it to us. And so when it says, blessed are those who mourn, they will receive comfort. This is a proclamation and a promise to people, okay? Here's the second thing. And this bugs me to no end. Like, I cringe when, when I hear this said. I do the little, you know, you know, Halloween thing, you know, just kind of cringe a little bit. Some people say that blessed means happy. Blessed does not mean happy, period. It, it, it's not even connected to this Greek word at all. It doesn't mean happy. I mean, think about this. This has bothered me my entire, my entire life. Happy are those who mourn. Grandma's dead. Just can't help but be happy. No, it, it's not that at all. It's not happy. It, it's something totally different. And so there's two, two Greek words and two Hebrew words that kind of connect to each other um, in Scripture that we translate blessed. The first one... <clears throat> is one like you would, you would have a prayer for somebody and you would say, bless the children, right? Bless them as they go on their way. Or, of course, you do this when people cut you off or they do something stupid, you'd say, bless them, Lord, bless them. I'm sure that's a prayer to God at some level for them to be blessed, right? Right, that's what we really mean, bless them, bless them, Lord. It's nothing derogatory about that at all. But nonetheless, that is, that is the meaning of that first Greek and Hebrew word. It, it, is, it is bless, bless them in a prayer in that particular manner. The second Greek word, the second Hebrew word, actually means something different than happy. It means fortunate. It means you are fortunate for some reason. You are blessed, you are fortunate. Now, we use it this way. Ms. Nancy, does everybody know Ms. Nancy? She's not here in this service. She was in the first. Everybody knows Ms. Raise your hand if you know Ms. Nancy. Yeah, Ms. Nancy is, is an older lady in her church. She is a pillar of strength. She mows her own yard. Um, I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but she's older than 51. Much older than 51. She mows her own yard. She walks down the road with a stick. She keeps her own house. She lives alone. She's done this for years. She's a farm girl. She's strong and skinny. Like that is one of the skinniest people I know. Ms. Nancy is one of the skinniest people I know. And she is strong, right? And so when we say Ms. Nancy is blessed, we do not mean, and I don't know her bank account, but we don't mean that she has a million dollars in the bank. That's not the blessing that we're referring to. We're referring to something a little more substantial. She is blessed because how God has blessed her and made her fortunate. She's in great health. For her age, she's in great health. She has a lot of strength. She's able to do the things that she wants to do. And let me tell you, she does the things she wants to do, and she doesn't do the things she doesn't want to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. She has a great mind about her. She is just a complete godly individual, Ms. Nancy is, and she is blessed. And so we say she's blessed, but we can't put something tangible on that, right? It's not cars, it's not money, it's not where she lives. It's just she is blessed because she's been blessed by God. She is fortunate. She is very fortunate. So we use that word in the same sort of way when we say Ms. Nancy is fortunate. She is 
blessed. And so Jesus says, fortunate are those who mourn. They're fortunate. Mourning is not something that you would go after and you would try to be a part of. It's not something that you're like, okay, I've got to figure out how I'm going to cry today, right? It's not something that you kind of plan to do during your given day, right? It's not something that you say, oh, okay, I'm just waiting for my husband to do something so I can cry, or I'm waiting for my wife to do something so I can mourn it. I'm waiting for something to die today so that I can, you know, mourn and and accomplish this, it's not something you do like that. Mourning is a situation that you and I did not expect in our life, and we really don't want to be a part of it, right? It it is something that we're like, we have to, it comes in our life, and there's sadness, and there's mourning, and and there's stuff like that, and we really don't want to be a part of it, but it's a part of our life. And Jesus says, when you are crying, when you are feeling down, when you have a loss, you are fortunate. You are blessed. You are fortunate. You are blessed. Um, so, has anyone ever heard the phrase, whistling past the graveyard? Whistling past the graveyard? Okay, person in the back. Not many people. You've, you've heard whistling past the graveyard? Not many people. Good. <clears throat> First service, there was a lot of people that, that knew that. Some that didn't. It was about, I don't know, all statistics are made up on the spot, so I'll just make up one. About 60% of the people <laughs> okay, knew, knew what it was. So I looked it up because that's a phrase that I've lived with my entire life. My grandmother said it. My mamaw said it. My mama says it. My dad says it. Whistling past the, They're just whistling past the graveyard. So what in the world does that mean? Well, there's a definition in the dictionary online for whistling past the graveyard, okay? And it says this, to act to talk as if one is relaxed and not afraid when one is afraid. That's not a fraud, okay? That's just my actually amazing typing skills. Um, Not afraid when one is afraid or nervous or there is something to be afraid of and you're just ignoring the reality of it. So whistling past the graveyard is basically kind of ignoring that the graveyard in your life exists. You just whistle past it. (whistles) Kind of ignore it because you don't want to feel the bad feelings of the graveyard. You don't want to feel the sadness. You don't want to feel the mourning. You don't want to feel any of that. You are trying to ignore it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a common problem in our society today. Something bad comes up and a lot of people whistle past the graveyard. They try their best not to feel those bad feelings and deal with those bad feelings. In America, each year, there are millions of dollars spent by people to escape bad feelings. Millions of dollars a year. Now, let me be very clear. There are some people that need that pill. But it's not the majority of the people that are spending the money. And I know that that isn't popular, but it's true. Millions of people each year try to whistle past the graveyard and not deal with the graveyard because they want something to settle them down so they don't have to think about it, so they don't have to work through it. Now, again, I'm going to say there is a certain percentage of people that need that 
help, okay? I'm not saying that. What I am saying, a lot of people just do it because they just don't want to experience something sad. And I've been at this a long time, and here's what I've learned. A pill will never solve the problem. When you have something coming up and there's some type of graveyard, there's some type of situation that is very sad, you really need to deal with the pain at some level. You really need to deal with the pain so that you can get through the graveyard to the other side. You really need to talk to someone about it and work through that particular thing that is causing you to feel sad. Is everybody with me? If you don't deal with the reason for the pain, if you don't deal with that, you can never have freedom from what has happened in your past, in your life. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of people that are seeking this thing to help them not feel bad anymore about something that happened in their past. And really what they should do is they should sit down with somebody, with a counselor, with a psychiatrist, and just say, this is what I'm feeling. I need to know what it's connected to. And that person helps them work back to the moment where they had the pain and the tension in their life and so that they can unpack it and work through it so that they can get to the other side. We whistle past the graveyard all the time, don't we? And God says that this life has its joys and its sorrow. No, I think it's extremely interesting. Let's see, at least it's interesting to me. <clears throat> that nobody has ever come to me for counsel that was too happy. Right? I've never had anybody sit in my office and say, Pastor, I'm just happy all the time. I'm just joyful. This is just abnormal. I mean, I'm just excited to be alive. When I get up out of the bed, I'm just excited. I don't even have to have a cup of coffee to be excited. There is something wrong with me. There is nobody that does that. My point is this. If, well, it, you know what my point is. You got it? So I'm going to tell you my point. My point is if we don't go to the psychologist to help our happiness To get a pill to help, are you tracking? There, there must be something wrong with, with some of this over here. Again, I'm going to back up and say there's a certain percentage of people that really need it. They need it to balance themselves out and get through their particular tough time. I'm not saying that, but a majority of people depend on that so that they can whistle past the graveyard and not deal with what they really need to deal with in order to get healthy. And Jesus is saying, you are fortunate when you mourn, you are fortunate when you have to enter a time in the graveyard. You are fortunate to have that particular experience. Here's some things in scripture that says that you and I will mourn in this life. <clears throat> maybe not all of them. This first one, maybe not. But all of them in this life. Here's the first one. The loss of a city in scripture. Did you know that? People lose a city. They get attacked and they mourn. When I, read, when I read this right now, I think about Israel and what's going on over there and the attacks that are going on and those people that are mourning the loss of the safety of their homes. And maybe some of their homes have been taken out. Maybe they have had people that were in those hospitals and, and they're mourning the destruction that is there. Um, 
because of what's happening to someone else. Have you ever mourned because of what's happening to someone else? Someone else is going through a tough time and you just feel bad for them. You feel bad for them because you care, because you're mourning with them as they go through this particular tough situation. You feel for them. And it actually is healthy because for me, it makes me think about them when I feel for them, right? Hopefully it does the same thing for you. Think about them from time to time and what they're going through. Um, Because of economic conditions, you know, inflation goes up, inflation goes down. Inflation goes up. I mean, it's can't do the things we used to do. There's a, there's a mourning aspect to that because of personal sin. People mourn because of their personal sin in Scripture. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I should mourn because of our sin too. Not to jump to a point in the future, but to kind of jump to another part of this message, mourning your sin helps you not do that sin again. I'm not talking about guilt. You should never have guilt on your shoulders, like feel guilty, 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 guilty. But every now and then, I, I have prayers, especially when I just fell into something that I've been working on a while and I hadn't done it for a while. And now I find myself in that particular state again. Anybody else find, have that going on in their life? Like you, you've worked on it, you've had victory, and then you just fall into it, Right. It's after that moment that I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I've done this my entire life. I, I feel bad about it. And you just kind of give yourself a chance to mourn through it. Because when you get to the other side of that graveyard, it encourages you not to do it again. You get strength for that because, you know, I just don't want to go through that again. And you see it coming and you're like, no, I'm not going to have those prayers. I've noticed that, that I will be moving right along with the spirit and then fall into some sort of sin. These conversations are very positive with God, praying for people, their concerns, praying for the church, all that kind of stuff. And then I hit this sin and then it's just talking about that sin for a little while. And I really wanna be praying for this stuff over here, but I've gotta work through this before I can get to the place where I can pray for other people again. So you take the time to mourn. You take the time to do that. So mourning um, because of sin, um, when someone leaves, someone leaves you, you mourn. Uh, recently in, in our church, we've had a couple of families that have actually moved places, right? One of those families is the Halls family. I don't know if you know them or not, but they had four children, five, that's right, the boy. They have four girls, one boy, and they moved to Kentucky because he wanted to be closer to them as he got off of work because he was a pilot, all that kind of stuff, but they moved. Well, I mean, we could have ignored that, them leaving, and just not think about them again. But when they left, there was a, there's an emptiness now, you know, with that. I, I miss them being a part of the church. The girls are cute. The little boy's cute. I mean, it was a great family. If you ever talk to them, it was, they're absolutely incredible people. It's just a loss. And so you have to take a moment to say, you know, they're gone. And cry a little bit, and then move on because you're connected to people. So when someone leaves, and of course, the loss of life, right? We all mourn the loss of life. And so these are times in our our lives where we mourn things. We also mourn major changes, don't we? This picture is a picture I took when we dropped Aurora off at college for the very first time. This is the last person, this is the last picture 
I took before we left her in Lynchburg, Virginia. So I took that picture, I went back to my car, I opened the trunk, and in the trunk was her computer, and I lost it. Nicole, you left her computer. I mean, it was literally that way. Oh my gosh, she left her computer. Nicole goes, what is wrong with you? Nicole, she left her. It's right here. We had to get this computer back. And Nicole took the computer to Aurora because I wasn't fit to do it. I, I got in the car. I'm crying. I couldn't stop crying. It was a stupid computer. And so when we dropped Quinn off at school, I said, do you have your computer? I can get through this if you took that stupid computer into your room with you. Just make sure you have everything before we leave, okay? Just make sure. And it was a major change. And just maybe too much information for you, but it's okay because I'm through it now. I'm through the graveyard now, right? I'm not whistling. I'm turned into it. I walked through this graveyard. I went home and that night laid in her bed for a little while, crying because it was a major change. It was a major life change. And that chapter of our life has closed. We still have Nicole, uh, Quinn, not Nicole. I hope I have Nicole and that doesn't close. <laughs> Here's the deal. If Nicole leaves, I'm going with her. That's just the way I feel about that. But here, here it is, you know, Quinn, he's going through life and, and one day, you know, Aurora's gonna be married and, and Quinn's gonna be married. And, and then we're going to have grandchildren, and that's going to be great, right? I don't want them yet. I can wait a little bit. I'm not old enough to have a grandkid, I feel like. But, but we're going we're gonna to wait a little bit, but that's going to be the joy of it all. And it's a season where you walk through a graveyard, you mourn their detachment from home, but once you get through that graveyard, you're going to be on the other side of it. And I've seen it, not experienced, but seen it, the joy of grandchildren and the joy of that life in that environment. I can't describe it, don't have the experience to describe it, but I know that there's something beyond that graveyard. But you have to go into the graveyard. We can't whistle past it. God has made this to where we turn into it and we deal with what is here. And there's benefits to walking through a time of mourning. There's benefits to walking through a graveyard. Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verses two through four says this. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Isn't that the most unique couple verses of scripture that you've seen in a while? He is saying you need to go into the graveyards when they present themselves in your life and you need to deal with them as they come. It's happiness and pain. There's a time for laughter and there's a time for sadness. It's all a time. You know, suffering is a teacher. Pain is a teacher. 
When you were little, how many of you put your hand on the stove? Never did it again, did you? Never did it again. Pain is a teacher. Pain teaches you and takes your character to a whole nother level. It teaches you how to act, how to move. It also teaches you just a little bit about compassion. Suffering, pain helps you. It helps you a lot. And so when you come to those times in life, instead of skipping past the graveyard and whistling, we enter it and we walk through it. And when we walk through it, we do not walk through the graveyard alone. We walk through a graveyard with Jesus. You see, he is always there, always there. He's in your good times and he's waiting for you in the graveyard. He's waiting for you to quit whistling about it and come in so that he can help you unpack your pain, so that he can help you unpack your sadness, so that he can comfort you and help you and hold your hand as you walk through that graveyard. And if there wasn't any other thing that made you and I fortunate, that would be enough. It is enough for Jesus to be with me in my darkest hour. It is enough for me to go through a graveyard, not alone, but just with Jesus and me. And we go through the graveyard and I try not to trip over the tombstones. I try to make the path that he wants me to go down. I hold his hand and we make it through together. And Jesus says, fortunate are those of mine that mourn because they will be comforted. And the reason you will be comforted is because Jesus has never left you, never forsaken you, and he is with you in your pain. Woo! That's great. To me, I picture Jesus crying with me when I'm crying, feeling with me the same feelings that I have strengthening me and guiding me and taking me actually to a deeper connection with him. When I go through a graveyard, and I know that you know this too, when you go through a graveyard, there is some type of deeper connection that you come out with on the other side with Jesus and your relationship with him. It is absolutely amazing. It's phenomenal. And so we go through the graveyard and we smell the graveyard. We feel the graveyard. We lean on things in the graveyard. We depend on Jesus in the graveyard. We accept that this is a part of our life for a particular period of time. And we also accept that there's gonna be comfort and we're looking for it each step of the way. A time of mourning is actually a time of blessing. So here's a song that kind of takes that message and puts it to music. Here we go. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace. Comfort for family. Protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity, and we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. 
And all the while you hear each spoken need Yet love is way too much to give us lesser things Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? When friends betray us When darkness seems to win We know the pain reminds this heart That this is not, this is not our home It's not our home What if your blessings come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if my greatest disappointments or the achings of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst? This world can't satisfy And what if trials of this life The rain, the storms, the hardest nights Are your mercies in disguise? isn't it? You have to smell, feel, lean, depend, and accept as you walk through the graveyard. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples. I do not recommend this TV show, but I have watched it in my past. Just there's some stuff in it I just don't want to see again. However, I like YouTube because it put some of the stuff together that I really thought was funny in this particular TV show, and it's Seinfeld. Okay, Seinfeld. On YouTube, I've been watching the stuff that, that is stuff that I should be watching. And uh, recently on uh, Seinfeld, the little Seinfeld thing, it was Kramer and he went to a car lot to look at purchasing a car. Okay. And so the salesman comes out and he says, I'm thinking about uh, purchasing this car. And they both get into the car and they begin to drive it down the road. And they get to a certain point and the salesman says, so we need to go back to the car lot. And Kramer said, oh, no, 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 no. I need to make sure that this fits my lifestyle. I need to do a couple of errands in this car. So for the next couple of scenes, they're doing errands. They're picking up stuff at this store. It's just weird kind of stuff that they're picking up. If you've ever watched the show, you know how weird he is, right? And so, so it goes to this whole store. And uh, about halfway through it, the guy says, well, we need to stop to get gas. And Kramer said, oh, no, 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 no. I want to make sure that this car is dependable 
to get me back to the car lot after all of my errands. And the guy said, well, it's on empty. He said, I know, I know, I know, I know. But it needs to be dependable to get me back to the car lot. So over the course of events, the, the, um, the salesman got on board with this, got excited about it. The, the uh, thing got down to E and below E, and they're just so excited about this. And it's nighttime, and they're about to take the exit to go back to the car lot. And Kramer says, well, we're going to make it back to the car lot. And the guy said, yeah, but could we make it further? <laughs> if we go to the car lot now, we will never know how far we could have gone. And so they high-five each other and they get all off of the exit and they go down the road and you never know how far they went, right? But they were gonna drain that tank out of, totally to empty, okay? That leads me to this. This has been said about a cemetery. Don't die old, die empty. That's the goal of life. Go to the cemetery and disappoint the graveyard. If you are in a time of mourning and you are walking through your graveyard and you are feeling things and you're dependent on Jesus and you just feel like you can't go any further, keep going. Don't stop. Keep moving. Keep going until you're completely empty and it is over. Keep going. Keep that energy going. Die on empty. Give it your all. Jesus is totally there with you anyway. Um, in my recent past, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, I'm not going to give you any details where you could even remotely connect this, and you wouldn't be able to anyway probably, but I'm not going to do that. But I went through a, a time in my life where I was having a relationship issue with somebody. And I, I was struggling with it. I was in the graveyard. I was talking to Jesus about it. I was, it, was, it was very strenuous for me, talking back to him and just saying, Lord, I just need strength to get it through. And if you've ever had a, a close friend of you, yours and you had a difficulty with them, that can really break your heart, right? It can really break your heart. And so as I was going through the graveyard and as Jesus was trying to comfort my heart as he has proclaimed, right, I was looking through Facebook and I came across this quote, your destiny will not be tied to anyone who is willing to walk out of your life. And immediately I had freedom. I was so concerned because I didn't know how I was going to make it further without this individual in my life that had just decided to walk out of it. And then God tells me, your destiny's not wrapped up in them, it's wrapped up in me. Right? So sometimes we have to let people go because God's plan for you is not for them to be a part of your destiny in the future, but Jesus is always a part of your destiny. Right? This is so freeing, so freeing. So when you walk through the graveyard, you have to look for little things like that that you just don't expect. This comfort, this person saying me too, this person saying I've got those scars and you just build up all this strength from walking through the graveyard and reading the things that Jesus is putting in front of you 
to comfort your heart as you go. Here are two of my go-tos in Scripture. Here's the first one. Come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. What a great verse. Jesus says, come to me. He doesn't say, follow me, and you'll never have a tough time. He never says, follow me, and you'll always be happy, happy, happy. He doesn't say that life is just going to be great and good and filled with just joy. He says there's going to be some times in your life where you are burdened down and you are mourning and you are sad. In those moments, you can still come to me because Jesus is never uncomfortable with your pain. He is never uncomfortable with your sadness. He is never uncomfortable with your emotion, your, your, your just your mourning emotions. He is not uncomfortable with those. And let me tell you, we know some friends that are uncomfortable with them, right? Yes, yes, church. You know people that are uncomfortable with the times that you are sad, but Jesus never is. In fact, Jesus says, I want to be there with you during those times. And there's nobody better than him. Nobody at all. And then finally, this one is amazing. He is not here. He is risen. My destiny is not the graveyard. My destiny is not my times of pain, my times of turmoil, my times where I'm just feeling down. That is not my destiny. My destiny is a resurrection and life eternal with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is risen, and therefore I will be risen too. And that is a comfort that nobody has that doesn't have Jesus inside their heart. Jesus is risen, and if he can defeat death, I am already victorious in my graveyard. Right? I am already victorious in my graveyard. So I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know if there's people ignoring you. I don't know if people are giving you a cold shoulder. I don't know if someone has passed away. I don't know if someone's been in the hospital for a while and you're concerned about them. You may be struggling with someone that has cancer and you're mourning for them. There may be a lot of reasons why you are feeling pain today in this service. But this is the proclamation right from Jesus' mouth. You are fortunate no matter how you feel. You will be comforted. So look for it because it's already happening. It's already there for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the stage you've given us. We thank you for this reminder in Scripture. And again, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being straightforward with us about this life. Thank you for speaking truth into our life, that we will have good days and we'll have bad days. There's a lot of people that try to say that we're doing something wrong if we're going through a time of pain, a time of mourning, a time of, time of sadness, but you don't. The graveyards in our life, Father, are sometimes not even our fault. 
They just happen because we're living in this world. So I pray for the one that doesn't feel like they have the strength to go into their graveyard to deal with their pain. I pray this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll give them the strength to do that. I pray that you'll give them the wisdom and understanding to know when they need to go talk to someone. When they need to sit down with a counselor or someone else to try to work through and find out why they feel the way that they do. I pray that you give them the strength to do that so that they can have freedom from it. I ask that you help each one of us as we walk through the graveyard and as we lean on you to make it through. Do not allow us to ignore the comforts that you are sending our way through people, situations, quotes, whatever it might be, your word. But instead, open our eyes so that we can reach out and grab a hold of them so that our hearts are comforted and strengthened just a little bit more. So I know you love everybody in this room and we leave all at your feet. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's stand and sing this closing number. I'm here to pray for you if you need that. The altar is also open. Normally in this service, we have a family, their last name are the Baileys. And uh, they went through a graveyard that they were un- didn't expect to go through. Um, their son had cancer and Amanda Bailey had cancer. And the graveyard that they thought they were getting through just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger. Well, today they are through that graveyard and they are on the other side. And their walk with Jesus is deeper than it ever has been. And they are happy and grateful and joyful. 
because they have learned the strength of their God in getting them through a tough time. And there's nothing more valuable than that. Nothing more valuable. As I look around this room, I know some of your stories. I don't know everybody's because some of you are new. Some of you are new. But I know some of your stories and know part of your stories. And you have been through graveyards too, but God has always gotten you to the other side. Part of the comfort is that promise. Your graveyard is not your end. A resurrection is. That graveyard is not going to be the end of you. Jesus has planned a different end for you, and it is greater than what you are going through, much greater. So this week as you go, hold on to that. Hold on to that. And with that said, grace and peace. We will see you next week.